Welcome back to the Living Healthy Podcast presented by LA Fitness. I'm Candace. And I'm Andrew. And on today's episode, we're giving you just the facts, man. The nutritional facts. That's right. We're going to be breaking down food labels to help you learn more about what you're putting into your body. And we're going to go beyond just the calorie information too by introducing you to the other sections of the label and explaining why they're there and why they're important. So if you've ever heard the term macronutrients, but still don't really know what that means, this episode is for you. If you've ever wanted to know which fats to look out for, this episode is for you. And if you've ever wanted to know why microwave popcorn has two different sets of nutrition facts on the same package, one for popped, one for unpopped, because yeah, I'm the type of guy that just cuts the bag right open like I'm filleting a fish so that I can scoop out the buttery kernels because I don't got two minutes to wait for it to heat up and pop. If you ever, you ever wondered about that? then this really is the episode for you because I'm going to go deep with this one. Oh yeah, I even sent out an email to a reputable popcorn establishment to learn the truth. So stick around for that. Okay, but before we get to that, we're bringing on a guest. We have another installment of the history lesson you never knew you wanted. This one, of course, is about nutrition labels. So take it away, Matt. Hello everyone, producer Matt here with another installment of the history lesson you didn't know you needed, this time about nutrition labels. Now I'm hoping this doesn't descend into something as boring as say the host of one of your favorite podcasts waxing poetic and ranting about a childhood's love and adoration for popcorn and the greater mysteries of their utilization of multiple nutrition labels for their product. but. Here goes nothing. One of the first documented instances of food labeling and regulation came about in the 13th century. The King of England decreed, or whatever monarchs do to pass laws, the assize of bread and ale. This law regulated the price, weight, and quality of bread and beer sold in the kingdom. I'm guessing because the king didn't appreciate eating and guzzling sawdust and powdered peas at dinner. Fair enough. Fast forward to 1516 in Bavaria and Germany. I'm guessing sometime in October, when Duke Wilhelm IV passes the Reinheitsgebot, which is better known as the Beer Purity Law. This law regulated the content and price of beer. Initially, the term strictly stated that beer could only contain water, barley, and hops. Brewers who violated the Beer Purity Law were punished by having their barrels confiscated and subsequently destroyed by the state without any reparations or recourse. They've since laxed on the regulation, but a form of the Reinheitsgebot still exists to this day. Though, nobody's going around smashing up the brewing operations of violators. What a shame. Finally, the need to regulate and properly label food comes to the shores of an industrializing United States of America. In 1906, famed author and muckraker Upton Sinclair released his crowning achievement, The Jungle. The release of this novel caused a national outcry, not because of the hundreds of pages written intending to illuminate the inherent pitfalls of a nation that grows overly dependent on capitalism and wealth at the expense of strong social moral fiber, but because about 12 of those pages graphically depicted the abhorrent and disgustingly unregulated way in which meat was processed for consumption. Sinclair would later quip that he aimed at the public's heart and by accident, hit it in the stomach. No, he didn't get his socialist utopia, but this little literary excerpt brought about the passing of the Meat Inspection Act and the Pure Food and Drug Act of 1906. This is the predecessor of all food labeling regulations still being passed to this day. In 1924, the Pure Food and Drug Act is strengthened by the Supreme Court against any misleading labeling. 1938 brought about the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act that allowed factory inspections and told food makers how much unavoidable poisonous substances and how many cockroach legs could be allowed in processed foods. Yum. Beyond a law passing making it a 
essentially illegal to label margarine as butter in 1950, nothing else really significant happens until 1965 when, on the back of JFK's 1962 Consumer Bill of Rights Act, the Fair Packaging and Labeling Act was passed. This is the keystone piece of legislation that gives us the nutrition label we have today. Though nutrition labels as they exist today don't really appear until 1990 with the passing of the Nutrition Labeling and Education Act. From there, though constantly changing in terms of type and order of contents, it is still essentially that basic food label we will hear all about directly. And there you have it, the history lesson you didn't know you needed about food and nutrition labels. I gotta say, I was, uh, I was very surprised by that second thing Matt said, you know? I was like, the first thing I was kind of like, meh. But then he said that second thing and I was like, whoa, okay then. Yeah, very informative as always. But now it's time to turn our attention to our guest this episode. She's one of our all-time favorites. Please welcome back to the show, Dietitian Debbie. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate the nod. Happy to have you back here. So let's start with the first basic question we can ask. Why are nutrition labels important to good nutrition? Well, on an individual sense, they allow the consumer to evaluate food and make informed decisions about what they're going to eat and how much. Uh, and a larger scale sense, they're meant to educate the population so that we reduce the burden of disease and, and chronic illness that huh. we have. How, how so? That sounds very interesting. By making those informed food choices. Oh, okay. And, so that yeah. we're not right. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, okay. So the big reason that we wanted to do this episode is so that we could actually break down nutrition labels kind of step by step, because I feel like there's a lot of information on these little labels. Isn't there? There's so much really that it, it's almost like hidden in plain sight, but it is there that, I mean, a lot that I only recently discovered. So I kind of wanted to uh, you to break it down for us so that other people can learn that as well. So let's go top to bottom with the typical nutrition label. They're all pretty standardized in terms of the format. So let's go top to bottom. Let's start at the very top of the nutrition label in the section that's about serving sizes. What's important to know about serving sizes? That section is important because it may not be the amount that you typically eat as a portion. So whereas a serving size of cereal maybe is one cup, but you fill a 20-ounce bowl, then your portion is far exceeding the serving size listed. Uh, what's also important is how many serving sizes there are in the in the container or package. Right. Because you you open a what you think is an individual bag of chips, and you know look at the back say oh 150 calories great, uh, but the serving size was one ounce and you are holding a two and a half or three ounce bag. Hmm. Right. You know, yeah. you've, you, you've just uh, underestimated by more than half right. what you're actually getting. And I think, yeah, that's kind of the big thing with serving sizes. It can open your eyes to how much you might be underestimating your calorie intake. And so you bring up a bag of chips. So I pulled up a label of like a, a, a well-known brand of chips and uh, to look at their label. And basically they have a, their serving size is one ounce or about 11 chips. So that's, and that's 140 calories. So if you eat 11 chips, you just ate 140 calories. So does the average person just eat 11 chips when they open a bag of chips? Probably not. Maybe you eat 30 chips. So now multiply 140 times three, and that's how many calories you actually ate. Is that Wham. right? Wham. That's, that's right. Particularly, like I said, if it's a small bag and it's offered kind of at the register, right. then it seems like it's an individual serving, but, it, but it's really not. 
So it's, Im- it's important to look at the serving size and seeing if there's multiple servings per container. Absolutely. Some things are just like one serving per Some container. things are obvious. You know, yeah. if you're getting this, the giant tub of yogurt that they could possibly sell in the store, Mm -hmm. you you know that there's got to be multiple servings in there. And and compared (laughs) to the little individual six ounce cups, it was like, okay, well, this one has, look it over, it says eight servings. And actually, if you have a hard time keeping track of those portion sizes, it might help you to um, invest in one of those like um, calorie food trackers because they ask you you know, how many serving sizes you've had so you can keep better track. You start thinking about it that way. I think the big thing is just starting to think about what you're eating in terms of serving sizes. And you'd be surprised probably. Mm -hmm. And I think it's good for people to have a visual approximation of what those quantities are. So for instance, uh, an individual string cheese, which is an ounce, is know, longer, but it's roughly the same volume of, of an adult thumb, say okay. is one ounce of a cheese stick or, okay. or of a meat, or something that is one cup serving is roughly uh, the size and volume of a closed adult fist. Right. Unless you're Andre the Giant. Then, then, you're, then it's like, it's way, <laughs> then out, then it's way out of proportion. But generally, so closed fist is about a cup and a thumb you said is about an ounce. Sure. That's, and then you know. if we look at the a flat palm of one's hand, and again, not Andre the Giant, uh, <laughs> then then just the palm, you know, no fingers, just the palm we say is like a three ounce round. It would be like a patty or okay. a deck of cards is about those three ounces. So these giant cell phones that uh, we have, smartphones that we have now. (laughs) I think I eat a lot more than that. (laughs) If you take your giant cell phone, whatever the largest one that Mm -hmm. there is, uh, and that's thin, but if you were to make it the thickness of a deck of cards, you'd probably be closer to six ounces. Wow. Okay. You know, a meat or something like that. That's helpful. Man, phones are so useful these days. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you can you can find apps so that you can yes. track right. yeah. and help you with volumes of food. Yeah, that helps me. All right. So that's, I think we spent a good amount of time on serving sizes. Um, but let's move on to the next item. A little bit lower, right below that is one that everyone's probably familiar with, calories. But uh, what what's important to remember about calories? You can't just stop there. I mean, obviously for some things where to me, like it's dessert. Okay, well, for a dessert... I'm not looking for fiber and the most nutrients and the whatever. So if I'm just looking at brownie to brownie or whatever, okay, one has 200 calories, one has 110 calories. There's a difference. Right. Uh, so I think it's just comparison at, at that point between some things and also for for volume. Maybe it's something that you're going to eat anyway. Like, oh, I like that 210 <laughs> right. calories because it's caramel, salt, right. you know, sea salt, whatever. But because of my individual energy needs, I'm going to have a small wedge or a half portion or a, mm-hmm. a what have you. So I think it helps people give a guidance as to how much of that item. Okay. And okay. also keep remember, going back to serving size, it's important to realize that what's listed there is per serving. Exactly. So remember, you might have to do a little bit of math there to see if something's really two servings, then multiply it by two, mm-hmm. you know. In, in, the, in the package. Right. Yeah. In the yes. package, right. Okay, so we'll we'll keep moving here down the list, down the label a little bit. And up next, we have uh, total fat. 
So this is our first macronutrient on the list, right? Absolutely, yes. Okay, oh, and good ma- job, Andrew. I know, I know, I'm learning. <laughs> <Fancy>. um, <laughs> so that, like, like we said in the intro, if you want to know what macronutrients are, there's three of them, and this is the first: total fat. What are what are the different types of fat, and which ones are bad for you? Because sometimes I see like a, a three or four fats listed under this category. Two, two are required right now, okay, and that would be trans fat and saturated fat. Those are both harmful. Uh, They're uh, significantly uh, affecting uh, your cardiovascular, your blood lipids. Um, Whereas the unsaturated fats, the kind that you do want, they're voluntarily listed, mostly on things like oils and and different kinds of peanut butters and and such. So the unsaturated fats are monounsaturated and polyunsaturated. You want more of those and as little trans fat or saturated fat as you can get. Okay, so maybe easy thing is if it says if it's trans or saturated and there's anything out of that category, it's like those aren't the kind of fats you'd really love the, to put you, a lot of you into want. your body, right? Okay. Is there and like there a are... certain number though when say something has like one gram of saturated fat in it? Is is that technically okay? Like is there a certain amount of grams you should look out for where you're like, oh, that's a red flag. Like I'm not going to have that. That's way too many grams of saturated or trans That's a good question. So I'm just going to give you a comparison. For example, uh, eggs, you know, you'd have to actually turn the package over, but it does have a label if it's on uh, a dozen eggs. One egg might have five grams of fat, three of which are saturated. Oh my gosh, that sounds high, three out of five. But compare that to something else that someone might easily grab, like a block of, you know, Colby cheese. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but that has eight grams of fat, five of which are saturated. You know, so you're really looking, oh, the egg is a, a right. better choice. Right. You mm-hmm. know, when you compare, and that's the nature of the labels is by being able to compare. Got it. So it has to do with how much total fat there is and also the source of, of that fat. So even though you could pick up a, a bag of mixed nuts and go, oh my gosh, six grams saturated fat. Well, that's out of maybe 24 grams, hmm. you know? Oh, well, the entire thing is practically fat and it's a very low ratio. Got it. You're just not going to eat, you know, a cup of nuts. You're going to have to <laughs> limit Limit it to that ounce right. serving okay. size. Yeah. And what? Why are? Why is fat known as a macronutrient? It's one of the three macronutrients. It provides us energy. So okay. I'm. I'm gonna have to say the other two are carbohydrate and protein. Oh, give she that away. Oh, I know. That's okay. Uh, and and fat gives us energy. Uh, it actually gives us twice as much energy per gram the way that our bodies process it and utilize it than do the carbohydrate or protein. Hmm. And then okay. there's a fourth calorie contributor that's not a nutrient okay. and you're only going to see that on things that contain alcohol on oh, ethanol interesting oh, okay. huh ethanol. okay so uh moving on down the list now up next we have cholesterol on the label uh what is cholesterol exactly so cholesterol is only from animal sources and it's okay. basically a, a, a lipid compound so you don't eat HDL, LDL, that, those are your blood lipids. What you see on a package is dietary cholesterol. Okay. And it does contribute to your, your own blood lipids, but in a lesser extent than do the trans fat and saturated fats. So you could eat something. Again, I'm going to um, uh, let go of the poor egg here. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's known as, as being high in cholesterol. Right. Uh, and, and so shrimp, let's say, let's do shrimp. It's very high in cholesterol, but it's so low in saturated fat that it actually makes it a very good choice okay. because what you're eating in cholesterol 
doesn't impact you as much as eating saturated fat and trans fat. Hmm. So is it almost like if you saw something that was high in saturated fat, trans fat, and high in cholesterol, that's like, whoa. It's whoa. a triple whammy. Right? Pretty <laughs> much like steer clear, if you can. <laughs> exactly. Try okay. to avoid that. Okay. But only from animal foods. Interesting. Okay. Um, then what about moving on down, we get sodium next. And this one, this one's an interesting because I feel like I, should we be paying more attention to this category? Sodium, salt. We tend to get way more than we need, like 10 times more wow. <laughs> possibly uh, than we, we physically need. You could eat, probably eat raw food and, and meet your minimum requirement because we, we get that much wow. for sodium. It affects your fluid status and therefore uh, impacts your blood pressure. Uh, some people are more sodium sensitive than others, but because sodium is also a marker as a preservative, it's also a marker of how processed a food is. Generally, we can see across the board that those that have a higher sodium diet tend to be less nourished. Hmm. So that's how they make gross stuff taste good? <laughs> that's part of the way. <laughs> but it's, all, it's also how they keep some stuff from getting gross, from hmm. having uh, an extended shelf life. Right, right. It's one the of those things you thing. need, right. but you can't have too much of it. Yeah, hard. but but I do think that that's something that I kind of, I used to gloss over on a nutrition label and not really pay attention to. But if you start looking at the sodium calorie, you do start, or um, category, you start to realize how much sodium is in everything? How much salt is in everything? It's like, I know sugar gets a lot of like attention, but maybe salt should get just as much. Uh, salt has that uh, attention right now on the label. And coming up, we're going to see its counterbalance, the potassium being featured, because that really is the f flip side, if you will, of how that affects your, your water balance in your cells. Hmm. Okay. So you want more potassium and you want less sodium. Therefore, if you're just looking at a package's sodium content and trying to evaluate it only on that, well, but was it based on a fruit or vegetable that's really, really high, you know, in mm. potassium? So that makes it less uh, important for that item. Okay. Okay. And then moving on down, we got our second macronutrient now. We got, we got carbohydrates, total <laughs> carbs. Uh, what's what do we really need to pay attention to in this category? Well, because most of us need a lot of carbohydrate for energy, I wouldn't say it's it's the total volume of carbohydrate, the grams. Maybe you're looking at it more in comparison to or in relation to the other things in that food, okay. such as, well, how much protein versus carbohydrate am I getting out of this burrito? Okay. Or is it really like mostly beans, rice, starch, right. and I'm getting very little, you know, chicken? Uh, and you can't always tell that from, from the ingredients list. So also under total carbohydrate, we're looking at dietary fiber, okay. which most people do not get the minimum of 25 grams. That's the goal. Okay. So kind of looking at fiber, maybe try and find th things that are higher in fiber in that category. Yes. An excellent source has five grams of fiber, which oh. is kind of a, a tough thing to find oh, in, yeah, uh, unless that, it's, you know, uh, a it's whole a treasure grain hunt or, for our listeners. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Good <laughs> luck. <laughs> um, okay. And then this is the second macronutrient. So that's interesting. It sounds like you kind of went with these macronutrients and we're going to get to the last one here. Um, protein is up next. So protein at being the third one, it sounds like you kind of want to be paying attention to the ratios between the three and kind of seeing how they correlate to each other. It depends. It, and I was speaking probably more for like a meal, you know, okay. for an individual food. If you're looking at bread, uh, there's very little really you probably need to look at on a label because an ounce is an ounce of bread. Uh, and maybe you're just looking at, is it high sodium? Does it have fiber? You know, and is it somehow um, 
fatty rich, you know, like it, you're, it's you're a probably, flavored bread. You're not going to find a food that's like perfectly balanced across all three of the macronutrients, fat, carbs, and proteins. That's pretty much, that's, that's going to be hard to find. That's a single food, right. That's a single food, right. right. That's a so single it's, food. Okay. So you're looking more like in combination with your whole day, you know, are most of your meals tending to be higher in fat and low in protein, like you're not having a balanced approach. Exactly. And that's how uh, I think of protein on a label. Most of us get enough protein in our diets already because we eat so many calories. So we're getting enough protein and we have a varied diet. Uh, so... It's just misleading sometimes if someone is thinking, oh, cream cheese, I hear the word cheese, so this must be my protein for them. No, no, no. Mm. Flip it over. You know, a gram or less, just because it says the word cheese, it's really not. Super guilty over here about that. (laughs) I was like, I love cheese and that's protein, so there we go. But uh, yeah, then you look at the fat, you're like, okay, oops. So with with protein though, why is this category so important? You already spoke about it a little bit, but what is it kind of because it's like the foundation for... Uh, muscle growth or getting stronger. That's why we kind of need protein in our diet. Oh, protein is essential just as the other macronutrients are. And you also use it for all of your enzymes and many of your hormones. Uh, And since protein rich foods are fairly isolated, mostly to the animal meats and dairy and some plant foods that, you know, you might have to sift through uh, to find particularly vegetarian uh, sources mm. of protein. Right. Okay. Um, all right. And so up next on our label, right below that, we get this nice little thick black bar to let you know we're going into a new section here on the label. Um, and it's the vitamin and mineral section. And I got to say, I almost never look at this section because it just, sometimes, I don't know, the stuff I eat, on the, it seems like there's like so little there. But is this, should I be looking at this section more? I think everyone should take a, a glance at uh, some of the items once in a while, uh, particularly because right now we've got um, calcium, iron, and uh, vitamin C, vitamin A. But calcium and iron are two minerals that are an underrepresented in, in our intake so that it's hmm. a goal for Americans to try and meet the minimums of those. Okay. You know, 1,300 milligrams for uh, teens and 1,000 milligrams of calcium for adults. Okay. Does everybody need to take a daily vitamin if you're eating a balanced diet? Like, should everyone still be taking like women's once a day or men's men's once a day? Right. It's like a good insurance because you can never, but uh, can you unless you're tracking everything. Of course, you can get too much of, mm. say, fat soluble vitamins, things that uh, accrue or um, add up in your system. Uh, so whenever I talk about a multivitamin and mineral supplement, I talk about a general, like you said, over-the-counter one a day, not a megadose. Anything that has you know, like 2,000% of whatever as either uh, an expensive urine pill or, or something that <laughs> yeah. is going to you know add up and, and cause a problem over time, particularly of some minerals. Mm. You know, if you look at a lot of fortified things, if you're someone that has, hey, I'm just having this protein powder, which is really a supplement, and I'm eating this energy bar, which is really a meal supplement, and I'm having this mm. multivitamin, well, you may have just tripled your your intake of, you mm. know, some some mineral that, that impacts you in another way. 
And is this like vitamins and minerals? Is that we talked about macronutrients? Is this when I hear the term micronutrients? Or is yes. that what these are? Yes, exactly. Okay. One of them is hiding up above. I'm going to see if Andrew or Candace know which one it is that we've already talked about. That's a that's a that's micronutrient. A micro? That is a micronutrient. I would say carb. Uh, cholesterol. You're both wrong. It is Darn sodium. It. Sodium, oh. sodium. sodium okay. is a micronutrient. It wow. happens to be an electrolyte. Well, I would say yeah. the way we consume it, it's a macronutrient. At this point, <laughs> you're saying we're like 10 times over. Oh my gosh. And so micro just meaning that it's like, it's not as critical to our no, daily not in importance. No, absolutely oh, okay. not in importance. Um, they're, they're very, very vital to your health. It's simply in the volume. So okay. most micronutrients we uh, measure in terms of milligrams or micrograms and the macronutrients we measure in grams grams okay it's just volume so it's just a volume and amount mm-hmm. okay all right interesting right below the vitamins and minerals we have a little footnote disclaimer and i thought we should talk about this real quick because um it kind of basically says hey this is uh, your percent daily values based on a 2000 di- calorie diet or 2500 something like that why is it important to know that the label is based off a diet that needs 2,000 calories. Why do we need to know this information? If people know that the reference diet is 2,000 calories and that that's a a general overall um, uh, reference and that is not individualized. So obviously, if you're Andre the Giant and you you, you, you need twice as much, then this food is giving you less of a proportion of that. Or uh, okay. you're a very tiny sedentary, sedentary elderly, you know, that, that only right. needs to, well, 1,500 calories, then this food is providing you much more oh, than, okay. than that amount. And that's mostly for those macronutrients. Um, the okay. vitamins and minerals are pretty much not based on calories. Okay. All right. And then this, the final section on a label, and this one I think is, this is like when you know you've gotten to advanced label reading to me, because I only just have started hearing about this. I'm like, oh man, that's some advanced stuff. Okay. Ingredients, reading the ingredients. What This sounds like people that have been reading labels for a long time. This is like the first place they go now. So why are ingredients, why is that such an important thing? This is what your food is made of. This is the the greatest part about the transparency that the manufacturers are are offering of what is in here. You um, may have mentioned a, a breakfast sandwich, you know, or earlier, and you think, okay, well, I can see on the picture on the package, it's an English muffin, a slice of cheese, a piece of uh, of egg, and a slice mm-hmm. of ham. But then in the ingredients list, you see all these other things, and you're like, hmm, I didn't know they were in there. Right. Uh, and so natural foods that don't have labels are because there's nothing out. You pick up an apple, you eat the apple. It's you an know, apple. It's a right. ta-da. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So yeah, like something like I think about, something that I started eating for breakfast, peanut butter, is like if you look at maybe like a processed peanut butter or a big brand name, there's like a whole list of ingredients, lots of sugars added. And then there's one from um, a company where it's like just pure peanut butter and the only ingredient listed on it was like dry roasted peanuts. Yep. And it's like, whoa, when you compare those, like one's like a laundry list and one's like just one item. Generally, we're talking about we should try and steer towards the one, like fewer ingredients because does that make sense? Is that true? Yes. Yeah. Fewer ingredients is better and of things that you can identify and pronounce is, is always good. Uh, also, know that the ingredients are listed in descending order by weight. 
Okay. So just because, uh, like, say, if you have um, some kind of very light, puffy type of bread product, you know, that, uh, but you see, you know, butter as the second ingredient. Well, it, it, butter is much heavier and more dense than, you know, right. f- flour or if they're adding water or what have you. So it's not actually based on how much is in that item. I always thought it was in descending order of like not this volume. Was, this is it's not by it volume. It is not by volume. Wow. By weight. I never it is by knew weight. That. Much the same way, and I'm gonna throw this in here because although it's not on the nutrition facts panel, it is on the packaging, and I think we're kind of still in mm-hmm. that same framework, is when you look at say ground beef. I don't think most people realize when they say, Oh, well, you know, this one's you know, 20% fat, this one's 15. Oh, the 10% fat's really expensive, you know. Well, regular ground beef is 30% fat by volume, by calories. It's half fat. When you go to a restaurant that's all huh. nice and, and thick and juicy and whatever, um, it is half fat by calories of what you're eating. And you have to get down to that, you know, 15, 20% kind of lean ground beef in order to get it only, you know, 30% less fat. Huh. Yeah. How do they get it down to that? How do they do that? What do you mean? Oh, in, in terms of how they, um, it, it's not like skimming milk. It doesn't, the fat doesn't float to the top right. and you scrape it off. So I don't know the mechanical process, huh. but it's in the but cut, general, the cut of meat like before they marble it. Yeah. The, or before, before they ground Before it. they do anything with it, it's like 50-50 is what you're saying. Yes. And then they have to actually do something to it in order to. Before they grind it. Before they grind Before it. Before they grind it. Yeah, you're, trim, you're trimming off all those extra, you know, it's like bacon, you know? You mm. see the striations in bacon, the red piece versus the yeah. white piece. Mm-hmm. Right. right. So they're just trimming that off before they grind it. Maybe okay. they feed the cows healthier diets. <laughs> <laughs> some some cases they say that about certain chicken with the eggs to get them high omega-3. So mm. it's uh, not grain fed. Mm. Yeah. The more you know. <laughs> so the last question about the ingredients here is that uh, are there certain ingredients that we should try and avoid in the ingredient section? Like, you know, I, one that I hear a lot is like high fructose corn syrup. Like, is that something, are there certain things we want to look for in an ingredient section that we kind of should give us a, a red flag? That are big no-nos. I, I look, <laughs> uh, certainly high, high fructose corn syrup is in there, um, but really just you, you're looking at, at sugars there. So what you're really looking out for is some of those preservatives that are only represented by you know initials, like okay. TBHQ or uh, <laughs> PCBS. And <laughs> Where you have to make up what that means. You're like, I don't know what this means. Right, okay. Right, because, because they're unpronounceable and they're synthetic. Uh, also... For some things, you might find on the ingredient list hydrogenated oils, which, Mm -hmm. okay, well, I looked at the front and it said, you know, no trans fat. Again, remember per serving. So if it's less than 0.5 per serving, but there's five servings in the package, you could actually be getting two grams of of trans fat in the whole package. So because you read the ingredients list and you saw the hydrogenated oil, you might know that wow see that's why it's advanced label reading when you get to the ingredients because that's like you're uncovering hidden stuff that's crazy Yeah, because wow. the um there's only a minimum required to be reported per right. serving like say right. so that for, makes sense. Yeah. for total fat like i said it was a 0.5 of a gram wow so non-fat milk i'm sorry but you drink a gallon of it you got like five grams of fat in there huh. mm-hmm. yeah okay we have now gotten to that point in the episode where i'm going to ask uh the question, and it's somewhat rhetorical because I'm going to just tell everyone the answer here. But uh, th- I have an issue on, okay, popcorn labels, 
we got to talk about them. Okay, on the back of Microwave Popcorn Box, you will notice, if you've ever read it, that there are two sets of facts. One is for unpopped popcorn, and one is for popped popcorn. Okay, and so this is a big, this has been a big mystery for me for years about why does this exist. And so I wanted to get to the root of why is this on the label? Why do I need to know that there are, of what the calorie information and nutritional information is for unpopped popcorn? I've never eaten it that way. So why is this even here? So I wanted to learn the answer, and so I scoured the internet to try and find this, uh, and I also hey, sent an email um, to a rep. Candace, one second. I'm going to duck Andrew out here real quick. Um, did you have any idea he was going to do this right now i mean i knew he was going to talk about popcorn but this much in detail no clue i got the script and i didn't see unending rant about um pop popcorn um anywhere in it i mean what can i say the man's passionate about popcorn and it's a little unnecessary i mean look at debbie look at debbie i mean she's here she's trying to care poor thing Eyes glazed over. It's just a poor thing. Sweet for trying, but I, 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 did, did he just say he sent an email? He sure did. Sure did. I really, I really hope my name's not in it. I, I, you need to, you need to fix this. Save, save us, Matt. I will. I'm gonna. I'm, I edit this. I'm gonna cut it off. Why are there two Don't tell him. Let's seal. Got it. All these alternatives nope, out here. Soon. Okay, but <laughs> for the microwave people. Microwave people. Enjoy your popcorn. Okay, all right. Well, let's let's wrap up. Let's wrap this episode up, and uh, let me figure out what my last question was. Um, oh, that's right. Okay, so the labels. We're doing this whole episode on labels, and it's good to know what the current label is. But coming, uh, there's new laws coming into effect, and companies are going to have to start changing their labels to add some things in 2020. Do you want to talk about some of those things? Like, I know they're changing the fonts and yeah, larger font for for those of us that have trouble reading. Uh, they're yeah. they're updating uh, the daily values and adjusting some serving sizes uh, to more accurately reflect what people actually consume, because that half cup of ice cream. You know, I mean, that's, that's not even what I it's can fit on the top cruel. of a cone. Stop it's lying pretty to cruel. yourself, people. Yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> None of us right. are doing that little. So that's good. So they're kind of making it more like what is realistic, hopefully, for, or for trying to get closer. For some serving sizes, right. yeah. Okay. And of course, they're changing the uh, the vitamins and minerals we had said were, were calcium, iron. Right now, it's vitamin C, vitamin A, but okay. they're changing it to calcium, iron, vitamin D, Hmm. And potassium. Oh, and potassium because of how that correlates with salt is really and important. And people are under-consuming potassium. Right. That's right. All right. Okay. And then what about they're adding, under the carbs, they're adding uh, added sugars now. Or yes, they will sir. be. Yeah. What's that? Is that good? Do we really need to know that? I, I think it's important for most most people that aren't aware of what's in their food uh, to know how much is added sugar as a uh, flavoring or it's added during processing or the packaging. And that's not to say um, that, of course, if you're picking up a bottle of maple syrup or a, a, a jar of honey, well, it's all, you know, maple syrup mm -hmm. or honey. It's it's all sugar. Uh, but to know how much is getting added into um, a, a breakfast sandwich or, or any other kind of um, packaged or processed food. And because sugar has those effects on um, your total calories and even, even satiety, insulin resistance, we just go down the line on inflammation and everything else. 
that that sugar kind of compounds. Um, in a way, it's it's good because someone could look at uh, one food has five grams of added sugar, and that comparable food only has two. Hmm. So so that's great. Right. Um, <clears throat> but if you're comparing it versus something raw or natural, you know, you can't really compare the two. Right. Um, and it may not be good. There's only a little downside I can think of for some folks that are out there that are a little too restrictive or neurotic about, you know, what they eat. And mm. then it's just one more thing one for more them thing to, to analyze about, yeah. and put on the no list. And, right. you know, that's a great point. That's a good point. Like with extra information, maybe don't, you know, try and go too far down the rabbit hole with it. Just be aware of it. Um, yeah. I mean, don't forgo, you know, the glory of the salad because oh, the the dressing has, you know, five grams of added sugar. Right. You know, if, if you chose a Thousand Island dressing or a honey mustard or whatever, that's what it's it's right. going to have. But the glory of the salad, you know, is still giving you all that raw produce. Right. Mm-hmm. And it, se- it seems like labels almost are a way to let you know what you might want to do for your next meal. Because it's got, you know what I mean? Like, okay, I did this with this meal. And so now I know I need to maybe look for something healthier for the next one, or I can splurge on the next one. Um, do But with labels in general, with everything they're adding, do you think our labels wrapping up, do they do enough to really kind of tell us what's in our food or could they do more? Uh, I really think that they do enough. There's a, a small sect out there that might say, oh, well, we need to have, you know, uh, folic acid listed or mm. uh, it's true. I think caffeine content would be helpful, mm. but that could be one of those items on the front of the package uh, that are highlighted, kind of like how the calories and sodium sometimes are highlighted on the front of the package. Right. Uh, and only relative to comparing foods to, to one another, uh, maybe if you're counting fiber for the whole day, you know, you want to have fiber on there. But I don't think that we need to, you know, just pack more onto the nutrition facts panel because it's right. overwhelming. Right. Yeah. I can't. Well, as lot, we just discovered, we, we just went through a ton today that maybe people didn't realize there was that much information on that little label. So, mm-hmm. um, But we know right. so much now than we did, you know. 20 some odd years ago and when we standardized the nutrition facts panel and it was like, oh, trans fat, you know, does make an impact. And these other things that science is now showing us evidence that make an impact that we weren't aware of before. All right. Well, thank you, Debbie, for being on the show again. We enjoyed it as always. Welcome, welcome. Now, if you want to learn more about nutrition and what's good or bad in the world of food, make sure you subscribe to our podcast so that you can get notified about future episodes. Yes. And if you've got questions for Debbie, you can either send us an email to blog at lafitness.com or you can shout it out at us on social media using the hashtag livinghealthypodcast. Both ways work and we check our inbox weekly. Thanks again for being a good listener and we'll see you in two weeks and see you in the gym. Enjoy your popcorn, Andrew. Oh, yes. Thank you. That reminds me. There was one more thing I wanted to say about popcorn um, before we go. Is yeah, One, they still haven't responded to my email, but, you know, I, well, I'm thinking about sending them another email. Uh, but also, it's just, it was surprising to me.